Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Adam, there's a lot of debate going on in Broncos country right now. And while that will always be the case, regardless of what the season looks like and how successful this team is, there is one thing that I think we should all agree on and that it's Raider week and F the Raiders. Oh yeah, absolutely. F the Raiders. I I like that um, because I hate them. Uh, This is always the, this is the week that I think real, you know, not not real Bronco fans, but old school Bronco fans uh, look forward to, right? There's, there clearly has been some shifting of, uh, of the, the rivalry and, and, who, who thinks who's going to, you know, which which team is really the Broncos' rival. And for a long time, uh, I think that uh, many fans thought it was the Patriots. It wasn't. It's always been the Raiders. Uh, you could make an argument that the Chiefs are up there as well, especially right now with the fact that uh, the Chiefs are as good as they are. But that doesn't feel like much of a rivalry from the perspective of can't beat them. So uh, this, this is the rivalry. This is the historical rivalry for the Denver Broncos. This is the team they had to get past to sort of, join the fray if you will about you know when it comes to being a a a true nfl franchise and so yeah f the raiders just all up and down the field f them that's that's probably the best way to say it 
as I said in my preview at PlayColorado.com, I said there is only one true rival. And as you said, it, it, some may say the Chiefs, some may say the Patriots, although I don't think that's the case anymore since Tom Brady isn't there. If you look at Pat Bolin, he had his three items on his to-do list, which was on his desk when they did the remembrance after he passed in, in 2019 at Mile High Stadium. And on that list was be number one at everything, win Super Bowls, and in between both of those was beat the Raiders. It wasn't beat the Chiefs. It wasn't beat the Chargers. It wasn't beat the Patriots. It was beat the Raiders. And as we have said on this podcast numerous times, we come from a generation of fans where the Broncos could lose 14 games in the regular season. As long as they beat the Raiders both times, while it would still suck that they were 2-14, and 14, at least they beat the Raiders twice. Yeah, I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly with that statement. I've said that many times. In my, I, I know you have as well. I've said it many times in my life. Hey, I don't care what the Broncos do as long as they beat the Raiders twice. That That was for a long time the standard, right? That was what you were hoping for. And we grew up with parentage that lived through a time period when they never beat the Raiders. They, they never came close to beating the Raiders. They'd get blown out by the Raiders constantly. And understandably so the Raiders for a long time were very, very, very good. I, I hate to say that I, I didn't have to live through it. So it's not that big a deal, but they were, they were very good. And so the Raiders were the target. And I, I would actually sort of argue that generationally speaking, Right now, if you look at where the Broncos are and which team is the target, it has shifted. The shift has gone to the Chiefs. The Chiefs have sort of become the Raiders of the 60s and 70s for the Broncos, where they can't beat them and, and they have to be able to get past them. And so this rivalry here with the Raiders might seem a little bit diminished. It might feel like it isn't as important. But the fact is, historically, this will always be always 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 be the most important rivalry for the Denver Broncos no matter what is going on it's just the way that it is it's the way that this league is it's the way the AFC West is set up and when the Broncos look at the Raiders they look at the team that they have to beat every year I remember Mike Shanahan used to put up the big sign Raider week I mean it was it, every week this this was the week the two weeks but these were the weeks that were the most important on the calendar for the Denver Broncos, it's still, I think it's still like that today. Obviously there are better teams, but there's no bigger rival. And the thing that always has bothered me, I've said this on previous podcasts when it's been Raiders week is this whole notion that the rivalry doesn't matter anymore. Yes, it does. To me, this rivalry is just as good and just as heated and just as, just as everything as the bears and the Packers. It doesn't matter how bad the Raiders are. It doesn't matter how bad the Broncos are. This is the rivalry. And those who don't know, look up videos of Tom Jackson talking about the Raiders. Even to this day, that man still despises everything about the Raiders. This rivalry is the rivalry. 
I don't care how good the Chiefs ever are. I don't care how many Super Bowls they win. They will never be on the same level as a rival as the Raiders. It is the Raiders. I am a born and raised Raider hater. I will always be a Raider hater. I hate, I hate the silver and black. I despise everything about that franchise who works for it, who has ever worked for it, who has played for it, who is associated with it, who roots for it. I hate the Raiders, and I will always hate the Raiders. Yeah, I hate the Chiefs, but it's more like a, eh. Yeah, by comparison. I'm more, I'm more, I, I, I'm, the thing I hate about it is that the Chiefs are good now. That's what I hate. I don't hate the Chiefs. I just hate the fact that they're good. <laughs> I don't really like their fans, but that's ugh, that's just that's sort of me. Uh, I, that I don't want to get too far into Chiefs talk, but but as far as the Raiders stuff goes, I threw out the old uh, Blazing Saddles ditto there. You could have called me a provincial putz, and I think people would have thought it was hilarious. But uh, or they would have gone, wait, what is he talking about? Check out Blazing Saddles if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's one of the greatest movies ever made, and they'll never make another one like it. And if you watch the movie, you'll figure out why. And I'm, I'm not going to tell any more jokes from it because I'll probably get in trouble. So <laughs> let's move on from that. But I, I am, I'm up for this game. I, th- I think that's the other thing. I, I know that the Broncos just lost to the to the to the Falcons, in in a way that was was really frustrating. I know that there's some discussion out there right now about Drew Locke and whether he's the guy. And and we didn't really think we were going to be in this position right now. But but there is sort of that. Um, I mean, it's it's actually turned a little bit vitriolic in its in the way that people are approaching Drew Locke, as if he's out there just trying to suck all the time. That and and so maybe I get a little bit, you know, I get I get my hairs up a little bit because I think that that's a, a sort of a ridiculous way to go about doing things with Drew Locke. But th- that being said, this game off of that loss is a huge game because the Broncos are still close when it comes to the playoffs, and so you still really don't know what's going to happen with them moving forward. I think, I think uh, the notion of tanking for Trevor or um, failing for fields or whatever, I, I don't think that's going to be an option. I think the Broncos are going to win enough games that, that we can probably dispel that notion and sort of get rid of the idea that, that those players are ever going to be wearing Denver Bronco orange and blue. So moving on from that and recognizing where they actually are, this game against the Raiders is incredibly important. Three and five Denver, four, uh, five and three Oakland or Las Vegas. Oh, got to put one in the jar. That that is a huge that is a huge moment here. The Broncos can actually take a step closer. And we talked about this in the post game show because I said this is you know the loss of the Falcons could affect the the playoffs. This actually has real impact on the playoffs. This is a division rival. It is within conference. It it, it sort of is all encompassing. So this game does have some pretty big importance to it beyond just being Raider week. As important as that is, the Broncos are still in it when it comes to the playoffs. And this game is very important and could be a catalyst to them actually finding a way to make the playoffs. What's fascinating is the Broncos have opened as at least a five point underdog. That's pretty significant. It's a big number. So I, to me, we're going to, we said this before the, the Chargers game, but I, I think we're going to get an even clearer picture of what this team is made of and what the rest of the season is going to look like after this game. 
because we touched on it on the post-game recap, and I might as well just say what my key to the game is, is to get a strong start. They have to come out of the game. They have to come out of the locker room and start the game the way they've been playing in the fourth quarter the last two weeks against the Chargers and the Falcons. They cannot continue to get behind like they have. Because against a team like the Raiders, they'll bury you. I mean, this is a team that went into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs. So they're going to have to come out and they're going to have to play their their top their, their best game. They're going to have to be there from the get-go offensively and defensively. We know the teams aren't going to be there. The teams suck, and they will suck until Tom McMahon is fired. But those two aspects have to come out faster. They have to come out of the gates ready to go offensively, keep the ball, maintain ma- maintain a possession or two instead of going three and out and punting. So whatever it is they're doing in the fourth quarter, transfer it to, th- to the way they start the game, whether that means that they go more up-tempo, as you touched on after the, the loss to the Falcons, whether it means that they simplify the offense more for Drew Locke, whatever it is, They've had success in the fourth quarter. And I don't buy this nonsense that it's been against prevent defenses. The Chargers weren't playing a prevent defense. The Falcons weren't playing a prevent defense. They're a two and six team. What are they preventing? Nothing. There's really. no way the Falcons were playing a prevent defense with an interim head coach after a team lost their previous head coach, got him fired. There's no way they're preventing anything. They're going to continue to battle and fight. So I don't buy any of that nonsense. Transfer it to the first quarter. I know it sounds simple, but it's what they have to do. It's their key to the game on Sunday against the Raiders. Yeah, I, I'm going to just sort of expand on it, and then I'll give my key to the game. But it is it is about game planning. I, I really do think that it is important to game plan in a way that is going to put Drew Locke in a position and the offense in a position to be successful. And I, I know that there's a this notion out there that, what that means is is hand holding and you know making it so that Drew Locke doesn't have to do anything more than do a, a you know one read and that's it. That's I don't think that's really the case. I disagree with that assessment of his talent. I think I think he's struggling right now. There's no doubt about it. But there's weapons missing. There's offensive linemen missing. There are there are game plan issues from the the offensive coordinator that I think are a problem. There are so many other things that go that go into play that to just look at Drew Locke and go, well, this is his fault, as is short-sighted and wrong. So it has to be about Pat Shermer, just like you said, getting Drew Locke into the position to be successful. It has to be about a fast start, but it's got to be something that allows him to be a good quarterback. And, and having a bad game plan and running on second and 10 every freaking time is that's got to end. That has to stop. I'm not saying that they need to to throw the ball every time. In fact, I think there needs to be a more balanced attack. But you you can't be so predictable in your play calling, and that is the problem. Because Pat Shermer is so predictable in his play calling, it just makes it so that Drew Locke is so ineffective. And then 
I don't know what it is that that causes the turnaround in the fourth quarter. Like you said, I don't think it's a prevent defense issue. That's not what I saw watching that game. I know what it looks like when a team is playing 10, 15 yards off and just allowing everything underneath. That's not what I saw in the fourth quarter against the Falcons or the Chargers. So I don't think that's the case. I I do think that this is about making a good game plan. So then my actual key to the game that I'm going to talk about is turnovers. The Broncos have to win the turnover battle. So yay, cliche, we got one out there. They have to steal possessions. They have to. This is how they're going to win the game, by stealing possessions. Because if they don't steal possessions, then the Raiders are going to have every opportunity to score because they are still dealing with injuries. They're dealing with with just sort of... You're, they're, they're playing with a mash unit. They're playing with with problems. We don't know what's going to happen with AJ Boye and, and Bryce Callahan at this point. Obviously, we record on a Tuesday, and so I don't think we're going to have any update on those two players moving forward. I think I heard Shelby Harris is going to be back, probably, but he's still got to clear some hurdles. That that's that proved to be a huge issue against the Falcons, and would be a huge issue against the Raiders, and so you're going to need guys like Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson to step up and, and try and force some turnovers. Michael Ojemudier is, is a guy who I would love to see, you know, punch some balls out, right? I mean, those are the kinds of things that they're going to have to do if they're going to be able to keep pace with, with the Las Vegas Raiders. And I, 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 that's the key to the game, steal possessions so that Pat Shermer can have a good game plan. I, I don't know if that will make him have a good game plan, but I hope it does. Well, and the one thing that ties all of this together is for all the people who want the Broncos to run the football, it's hard to run the football when you're down by 24 points. You can't run the football in that situation. The only way that you're going to be able to run the football is if you're still in the game. So that ties into what we're all saying. You have to have a game plan, but you also have to execute. Come out to start the game the way they're playing in the fourth quarter. And maybe the way the Broncos are successful running the ball is by doing what they're doing in the fourth quarter through the passing attack. That's how you can set up the running game. That's how you can set up Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon to have success. But the only way to do it is to be in the game. And I, I mentioned this on the post-game recap, but there's a stat that Andrew Mason tweeted out that ties into all of this. And it, it, it really is remarkable. The Broncos have trailed by double digits after one half of play in five of eight games this season, including five of their last seven. Mace adds that only the New York Jets and the Washington football team have trailed by 10-plus at halftime more often. Six. That you can't win games when you're going into halftime down by double digits. That's true. I agree. There's, I mean, there's no lies detected, right? I mean, isn't that the the correct gif for that particular statement? It, yes. it is. It's so frustrating. And I, and I remember after the Chargers game, or after the first half of the Chargers game, they were down by eleven, and I said it might as well be twenty five. And my, I mean, it felt, it felt like they were down by so much more, and I. Did not get that sense when it was. Uh, I did not get the sense that it was like that against the Falcons. Like I felt like they could come back against the Falcons, I, and, and they almost did. But it, it just is one of those situations where 
you know that if you're going to keep digging yourself a hole, you're eventually just going to get buried. And, and that is how this has played out. The, the hole has been dug every week, week in and week out. The hole is dug and you're, they're going to get buried week in and week out. So they have to figure out a way, like you've said, to not be in such a massive hole. I'm not saying they have to be winning at halftime, but oh, no. within a field goal might be cool. Well, try that. A, a, a touchdown would be nice. Just within one score, right? At eight points, one score, right? A touchdown and a two-point conversion. That might even be a phenomenal thing. Nine points, that's single digits. Could yeah, you imagine? single digits. Just, We're not even setting the bar that high it's anymore. It's a pretty low bar. It feels, I feel like it's a bar we could step over if we had to. So, you know, step over the bar. Try it. See how. Try it on. See how it feels. Maybe it'll fit. It is... <laughs> it's rough, man. It's just rough. Hey, it, but it'll be nice if the Broncos are able to beat the Raiders. Now, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that because I think this is one of those seasons where it's gonna we're gonna get our moments where we're like, ooh, like there's that gif of that woman where she's like, where she's making the face like, well, maybe no, maybe no. No, maybe. I think that's going to be the rest of the season. And it, what's fascinating is we've got even more of this as the plot thickens because we touched on, and I mentioned in my winners and losers on Sunday, whoever decided to get rid of Devontae Bosby, well, as I said, the plot thickens. Devontae Bosby is back. I mean, it is. <laughs> this is this one's comical to me. It is. It is pretty clear that Devontae Bosby is talented. He's got some talent. He's got enough talent to be in the NFL. But in the NFL means uh, it has a pretty big meaning, right? I mean, there's a, a large area of in the NFL once you get there. And clearly, Devontae Bosby's in the NFL right now is one of the last guys on the, on the squad bouncing between teams. And right now, the Denver Broncos definitely need a body in the secondary and Devontae Bosby fits the bill. So it's funny to, like, I just was kind of reading through the tweets uh, on Mike Kliss's tweet about bringing him back. It's comical. People are, are woohooing. I'm getting Ric Flair woos on a, bringing back a practice squad player who's going to get playing time because of injuries to your starters. That, that to me is, that says a lot about where your franchise is when the big argument is whether or not Devontae Bosby, a, let's face it, fifth string cornerback, is worth bringing back in and is worth starting. The, the issues on this team are so much bigger than that. But hey, whatever gets you excited, whatever gets you going, because if Devontae Bosby is what gets you going, fine. I miss, I miss our arguments about blonde-haired backup quarterbacks who really aren't very good. What happened to those Denver Bronco fans? They're still out there. They're still Bradley Van Pelt fans. Give me some Zach Dysert. Come on, hit me with some Zach Dysert. Well, what's funny is Joe Rolls mentioned this right in time as Bryce Callahan and AJ Boye are likely back. <laughs> so when he's not needed. Yeah, I mean, they, they could have used him on Sunday because Devontae Harris sucked something fierce. Yes, he did. That was rough. I did the other tweet I saw that I loved was one where it said Vic Fangio knows defensive talent. And then the reply to it was, didn't Vic Fangio cut him? <laughs> this is it's it is it's comical. This this 
this team is is comical in the sad like I'm I'm laughing so I don't cry kind of way. I, I guess does that get us to players to watch? Is that where we're at? I I think it does. I think it does uh, for me. Is it Devontae Bosby? No. <laughs> I'm going to start offensively because I to, to me that that's that's the area that's going to decide this game. So since it was my key to the game, it's now my player to watch. And while he's not technically a player, one of them isn't. It's Pat Shermer and Drew Locke. Drew Locke needs to come out and play the way that he has in the fourth quarter. And it'll help if Pat Shermer can put a scripted 15 plays together that plays to his strengths. I'm not holding my breath, but that that to me is what to watch, at least offensively. I'm going to I'm going to go a slightly different direction here with the offense. I'm I'm going to say that the player to watch is the center, Lloyd Cushenberry. And the reason I'm going to say that is that he was abysmal against the Falcons. It was it was I think his worst game by far. Every time they showed Drew Lock getting blown up, it felt like it was because Cushenberry didn't know who to block. And so he wasn't blocking anybody. And people were just flying all around the place. And it, that was very frustrating. And we were we were very excited about him as one of the Broncos draft picks. And I am not saying that he's not going to pan out. I think that he's still incredibly talented, a leader on offense, has the ability to sort of step in and, and be that starter. And this is going to be – these are growing pains. These are issues that he's going to go through. But he's got to be better. You can't have a free rusher up the middle – that's just blowing Drew Locke up, causing an interception, and Lloyd Cushenberry standing there looking for somebody to put a hand on. Like, you you, you got to be there, dude. You've got to be there. And so I, I know that there are more exciting players to watch. Philip Lindsay is exciting. Let's watch him. Let's watch Tim Patrick because he's back and that's fun. Let's watch Jerry Judy because he scored an incredible touchdown uh, on a on a, a curl route that was just inc- it was just perfectly run with the, when he did the little hand signal like he's going to run the go route and then breaks it off and you're like whoa I did not know you could stop that fast when you were moving that quickly impressive so it, there are exciting players to watch it doesn't matter if Lloyd Cushenberry can't figure out who to block because that's going to cause Drew Lock to get hurt at some point and I I don't want to say it but he might be fragile he's been hurt twice now. So, you know, Lloyd, put put your hands out. Grab somebody. I don't even care if they call holding. Just do something. Please do something. Please do something. That's that's what I'm asking for. <laughs> Defense? So basically, I'm getting the sense that you want him to do something. Yes, that would be my – that's my request at this particular time. So, defense, you got somebody to watch on defense? You're sure it's not Devontae Bosby? Uh, yeah, it's not Devontae Bosby. I'm going to go with Bradley Chubb because – he was invisible on Sunday, and it's never good when a chub disappears. Yeah, it was like he crawled up inside his own stomach or something. Uh, <laughs> Oops. Anyway. Now we're going with the negative chub jokes. Yeah. Usually they're positive. Yeah, we, we generally well, like but that. But that's why. I mean, I, I, I like the way that he had played prior to the Atlanta game, but he was he was non-existent. It, it, he, he, he pulled a disappearing chub act. Yeah, he uh he just couldn't he couldn't maintain throughout the whole game. That was that was the biggest problem for him. 
I think I think for me defensively, I'm going to go with two. One is Shelby Harris. Uh, if he plays, I think he's on schedule to play. Again, I'm not 100% sure on that, but if he plays, I, I want to see if he can get back to the disruptor role. That is something that has been very important. Uh, the Broncos' defense is better when Shelby Harris is in the game. There's just no doubt about that. There's there's the, I, I don't understand why he hasn't received a contract extension. Contract extension, excuse me. I think that would be something that would be very smart for John Elway to get on. But whatever. If he's in the game, they're a better team. If he's in the game, they're a better team, and that's something that they have to make sure that they do. If he's not playing then I think the player to watch on defense shifts all the way to the back and it becomes Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. And it, and it becomes how do they affect the game from behind everybody knowing that up front just probably isn't going to get it done because Shelby Harris isn't in there. So it really does shift where and who can have an impact on the game. So those, those are my two. I'm, I know I sort of cheated, but whatever, it's my show. <laughs> I actually like the Shelby Harris one because I, I do think he is one of the leaders on defense. I think it, obviously Kareem Jackson is the tone setter, but I think Shelby Harris is kind of the emotional from a standpoint of uh, in the locker room and on the sideline based on what we saw from the Chiefs game when he got that uh, personal foul call and he and Fangio got basically face-to-face. So I, I, I like that Shelby Harris one. I, I think it'll help tremendously to get him back. Um, and also we mentioned Bryce Callahan and A.J. Boye up at the top. I, I, would, I, I think at least one of them will be back. I, obviously it'd be incredibly helpful with these weapons that Derek Carr has to have both Boye and Callahan back. Um, that way they don't have to worry about Devonte Harris or Devonte Bosby playing, so that's something to keep an eye on. Hopefully, one or both are able to go on Sunday. That's the hope. I, I like it. All right. Well, do you got a score prediction? I'm gonna go 24-21 Raiders. Ooh, really? I, you know, that's okay. All right. You know what? I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't pick the Raiders. I. I. My fandom grabbed hold of me. I wrote down 27-26 Broncos. I, I just couldn't – I can't I can't pick the Raiders. I can't do it. I probably should, but I'm not going to. All right, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll do a uh, quick uh, look at the AFC West. We've already taken care of two of the teams, and then we will uh, look at the rest of the league, and uh, we'll wrap things up. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. All right, Ian, let's go ahead and, and take a look at the rest of the AFC West, which... 
I, I don't think is a, a, a very big ask considering I believe the Chiefs are on a bye. Uh, and so it's just the Chargers. It is just the Chargers, and they found a way to Charger again, even though it looked like they were going to they were going to uncharger when they played the Raiders last week. But then they didn't uncharger; they chargered. Yeah, they chargered it up. That's for sure. And I have a feeling they're going to charger it up again. They play the Dolphins, uh, and the Dolphins are not terrible. They're not great. Uh, they're they're you know starting Tua, which you know poor Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know why he didn't ask for a trade to the to like the Cowboys or something. Anyway, I I don't think the Chargers win that game. I actually kind of like Tua in in this sense, and I think that that's a Dolphins team that can be that can be pretty good. They're on the ascension, and so Chargers gonna charger and they'll they'll charger it up. There's your AFC West look. Uh, any any other games this week that you think are important enough that you want to sit down and watch them? I'll say I think the surprise team in the NFL this year is the Dolphins. The way that they have played, they have a defense that's really very good. And the way Tua has played, it looked like Brian Flores made the right move, the, the right decision to switch from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Tua Tagovailoa. So I, I think the Dolphins are definitely on the ascension now. Um, so I, I don't think there's any doubt that they're going to beat the Chargers. Um, in terms of the other games, I think Bills Cardinals has potential to be a really good game. Uh, Seahawks Rams, the NFC West rivalry, Bengals Steelers, not because of Joe Burrow or the Bengals, but because of Ben Roethlisberger and a couple of other Steelers now being on the COVID list. <laughs> and Ben Roethlisberger didn't test positive for COVID. I, I know there are some people who were out there. He was just around people who did it was a uh, close contact. He was, um, <clears throat> he was within close contact of somebody who did that's, that's the way to say that. So that's, that's something to keep an eye on. Maybe Some check out Jess places, uh, tweet about that. I'm not going to say it, but it's a pretty solid tweet. Yeah, it, it is very solid. Um, and, and to me, that's basically it. I, I think the saints are going to blow out the 49ers Vikings bears. Eh, don't really care. I think the Ravens are going to blow out the Patriots as bad as the Patriots have been. I think that's another one. That's a Sunday night game. That's a blowout. You know, you, you talked about the bills and the bills are coming off a win over the Seahawks. And I, that game was ended up being pretty close, but the bills offense essentially rolled the Seahawks defense, just absolutely put it to them. And that to me is, is really telling that the bills are a very good team. And again, I, I go back to this. I know we were, we were Josh Allen bashers, you you could say, which is fine. I'll eat the crow on that. But what I actually – the reason I like to watch the Bills is because, to me, what I'm looking at is the future of Drew Locke. If the Broncos do this right, if they can figure out a way to continue to surround Drew Locke with weapons and create an offense that caters to his strengths, Drew Locke is on that Josh Allen trajectory. I kind of – so, so I almost watch the Bills in a hopeful way that what I'm seeing is eventually what I'm going to see from Drew Locke because I think that's maybe the most apt comparison of quarterbacks that are out there for Drew Locke. And so I'm kind of hopeful that that's, what, that that's what it turns into. So that's, that's actually the game I'm probably going to watch uh, or at least flip back to every now and then when I'm watching the, the Broncos and Raiders. What did you think of the Saints and the Buccaneers 
on Sunday because Tampa Bay looked like garbage. <laughs> they did. I, you know what? It actually was frustrating for me. Uh, I am somebody who started uh, Tom Brady at quarterback in fantasy football and Mike Evans. So uh, that stack didn't work as well as I had hoped. Um, I mean, I had Ryan Tannehill on the bench. It's not like he scored that many more points, but it would have been a little bit better. Uh, I did have DJ Chark on the bench. That was a bit of a bummer as well. So, yeah, it was it, – it, it was – I think people want it to be – and this is something that I think is interesting about it. People want it to be an example of Tom Brady being this awful quarterback. And he's he, – look at what he is now. Father Time's catching up to him. And I'm, Father Time's going to win. Don't worry. But I also think that those kinds of games to me just end up being fluky. That's just a fluky game at that point. And the Saints played great. The Bucks played terrible. I, I I don't think I could read that much more into it. Now, if it happens again, if it continues to take place for the Buccaneers and Tom Brady continues to be terrible and they continue to have those issues, now you can start to, to talk about this being the end of the Tom Brady era in just completely. And and I, I would be here for that as well. I don't think I'm going to be starting him in fantasy football anymore anyway, so why not? Well, and... There's a lot that we can disagree on in Broncos country right now, but as I said at the top, F the Raiders. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Broncos.